0: Thank you for listening to the following films podcast today. I'm joined by author Ray Richmond. I had him on the show to talk about his book, Betty White, 100 remarkable moments in an extraordinary life. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey Ray, how are you today?
1: Chris, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Glad we're doing your
1: work. Thanks for, um, thanks for, thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, uh, you, you're, 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 a, you're a film guy.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: And this is a film. This is a film podcast. All most most podcasts seem to be video these days.
0: This um, is audio only. Um, oh, it is. So, yeah.
1: We're just we're just doing this so we can look at each other while we're doing the audio. That's it. Yeah, just so the oh, okay, conversation. Okay, So that's I can it. I can I can scratch my crotch and everything, and it's okay.
0: That's fine. I don't think from the angle that you have it set up right now i would pick up on that anyway Unless well, you, really- <laughs> you
1: see that that can be uh no it's true um uh so um anyway yes yeah, so you're more are you more concerned with with betty's film work or not necessarily
0: not necessarily it's it's okay. really there's um it's Film is kind of the starting point for things, and then it's really film, television, pop culture. So it's kind of all, all over the place with that. So it really, I mean, she's somebody that I think transcended her work really uh, in the end. <laughs> so, more than just her film work, her television work, she was a, a cultural icon, really.
1: She was, you know, and um, there's nothing like living to almost 100 to make you more of an icon, um, you know. If you die in your 70s, it's not the same, but she some basically some of her best years were um, the last third of her life, her most productive years. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, If you think her third, her third act was just was was monumental, which which never happens. Nobody I, I can't
0: think of anybody else that was that strong, that, that culturally relevant for that many years that, I mean, I'm 45. I became aware of her, um, in what should have been in what traditionally would be kind of the final act right there when, you know, with golden girls in the eighties, that's when I became aware of her. Um, and then she, that was just the start of a career where I, you know, she had four or five different careers throughout her lifetime and they were all notable
1: and all pretty remarkable. So. Well, that's the thing. Is she? I mean, she she did. You know, she was really known for. You know, before she did some some comedy sitcoms early on, Mm -hmm. but she was really early on known more for doing variety and doing you know hosting live TV. That's what all TV was live in the late '40s, early '50s. There was no no video tape, and um, but she did variety shows, a soap opera. She did parade coverage. She she was the most prolific game show celebrity contestant uh, of anyone in history. I mean, you know, one of the things, and you're probably not recording yet, I'm guessing. Oh,
0: no, I I record right from the start. So I'm- I'm, Oh, you are, you're recording. Okay,
1: good. Well, the thing is she, um, you know, the woman didn't didn't have a a snobbish bone in her body. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you get a big enough name or you get a big head and you think, well, I don't do that now. My brand doesn't, you know, won't tolerate that. She- she would just jump into everything. Um, literally did a soap opera when she was in her 80s. Um, even at the height of her fame on Mary Tyler Moore and then Way to the Golden Girl, she would do, she would go on game shows. And usually game shows for celebrities are the domain of those who can't who can't find other work, you know. Uh, but not her. She was, she, she actually loved playing the games and was incredibly skilled at it. She loved the game itself. It wasn't just like a an appearance in a, you know, and a, in a photo op for her. It was because she loved playing the game. Uh, and um, she loved, she loved game shows so much that she married a game show host.
0: <laughs> and and um, that was the
1: great love of her life.
0: When did you become interested in her? When, because you put together this book about her uh, that kind of spans her whole career. So when did that start? That that was a project you were going to throw yourself into.
1: Yeah. The truth, the truth, um, Chris, is that I, You know, I always was a fan of hers, but I wasn't uh, uh, as I've come to be a a betologist. (laughs) Um, I am. That was only because they, uh, you know, um, I had to suddenly become an expert, and so I scoured the internet. I mean, you know, fortunately, you have you have the libraries of the world at your desktop these days. So I was able to become a Betty White expert, basically, in the course of three months. of just studying her, uh, and unlike so many other stars, the further you delve into her, the more impressive she gets. You know, so many stars have you know the skeletons in their closet. They were a jerk to that person. There's always people that will have a, another side to them. You sure. know, and, and the negatives. There's literally no one that will say anything bad about Betty. There's not a, not a single person. I mean, you know, it sounds insane, but she um, she had so many different careers and so many different facets to herself. I mean, you know, people talk about her being the first lady of TV. She literally was the first lady of TV. In 1939, They uh, before there was ever television transmission, they did an experimental transmission at an auto dealership, a Pack- Packard, that's how long ago it was, a Packard. Auto dealership in downtown Los Angeles. They wanted to see if they could get pictures and sound from the sixth floor of the building to the first floor. And Betty, two months, having graduated two months before from Beverly Hose High School, she and the student body president of Beverly Hose High uh, did a song and dance routine from the Mary Widow operata on the sixth floor, and it worked. They could see what they were doing on the first floor. That was the first transmission. And two months later, conventional television broadcasting commenced at the New York World's Fair for NBC and, and RCA. She predated television. That's how wow. how old she was and what an impact she had. And then in 1949, she she caught on with a local show called Hollywood on Television, which was... Essentially, just, you know, whatever she and a co-host could figure out to do, you know, oh, let's read from this book. Oh, let's ooh, here's a star that dropped by. Let's have him on the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, you know, let's do a little dance. Let's do a little comedy, three minute comedy routine. It was a mishmash of whatever they could think of. And um, they uh, it it became five and a half hours a day, six days a week of live television. Oh, my God. It's it's unfathomable. That you could do that, you know, that she because they didn't have breaks for commercials. She would have to just do the commercials, like sometimes 50, 60 ads on the fly while they were, you know, if she had to go to the bathroom. There was a time where she was the the only host of the show. And they would just they would just fix the camera on a, a you know, on, on a book or something in the corner and she'll say, I'll be back in a minute. And that was TV that. at that point. <laughs> That was TV because it was all live. There was no tape. There was no recording of it. Yeah. Uh, and then she ended up doing a show called Life with Elizabeth. we a very early sitcom in 1951. And they did it live at a, uh, at a theater. Um, and there was, there's no, there's no film or recording of it that that survived. They ended up doing a film version of it a couple of years later. But, you know, when we say Betty was first, <coughs> first she was there first before it, And, she produced the stuff and, and often directed the stuff. So before the term glass ceiling was invented, she predated it. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm a woman. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw my weight around. It was just she was just like, well, it just seemed like the right thing to do because I, I knew more than other people. She, it, she, she'd she ever um, betrayed that she was, uh, you know, that she was somehow better than a man or, or the only, you know, uh that it needed only women involved she uh she was she was just so ahead of her time in so many ways
0: well and one thing that occurs to me in a way that she was a trailblazer i hadn't thought about it until this conversation um was the way that she was doing everything um like you were talking about at one point in time, there were buckets that people would go into. Yeah, you would be a comedian that does game show hosts, a personality, a talking head, that kind of thing. You would be somebody who was a television actor, somebody who's a stage actor, someone who's a film actor. They were all very specific pockets. And now kind of people do everything at this point in time where entertainers yes. kind of it's the the stigma around doing a commercial or something
1: like that. I think it's all but gone at this point it, in time. It has. It's fallen away. Yeah. But for a long time, um, You know if you were on tv that was considered low class compared if if you were a film actor you know that that it was big screen or nothing and um she very early on thought you know what i'm just gonna do what make what makes me happy and what um, what entertains people and i'm not going to worry about what the medium is or what the genre is and um she she just threw herself head first into tv and was just like you know boy this she was made for it she just had the camera loved her and she loved the camera. I mean, it was just, it was a great love affair from the very beginning. And, um, you know, I think the reason now that she, we're having this great outpouring of, you know, she was this, this national treasure, this great outpouring of of love for her in the wake of her death is, you know, she, she just, she, um, she was, uh, you know, kind of uh, the perfect combination of wholesome and naughty. You know, where she would come across as apple pie, but but with uh you know, with a, like little piece of a razor blade in there, you know, just to kind of get a little nick on you. And uh, but people just ad- she was mischievous. She was down to earth. She was hilarious. She had this spark of joy. Her comedy span generations. I mean, she's she was what are we? The perfect entertainer. Um, because and everyone also felt like they knew her. She had a, a way that that kind of leaped through the screen, through the television screen, into your living room and made you feel like she was just a member of your family in front of you doing a little routine. And yeah. um, you know, no one. There's never. You could easily make a case that she was the most beloved entertainer in American history.
0: Well, she's certainly the first person that, when I found out they passed away, that. My first immediate gut reaction um was just what a life. Like my wife texted me and it was the first thought I had was almost like she nailed it. That's how that like just that quickly that, like, yep, that's a life well yep. lived that quickly. It was just, you know, we have sadness that happens, those kinds of things, but it's like you when you see a life that full for that long that just seems <laughs> that filled with joy, you're like, Well, God, that's how you do it.
1: And Chris, even the way she died dying on new year's eve so everyone would be toasting her that night with booze you know it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't get better than that and then you know i actually have heard people say i know she was 99 but she didn't live long enough (laughs) (laughs) that that sentence had never been uttered before betty white
0: oh yeah well you you think of other performers like a george burns that made it that far um that made it and was performing that part of their career that long, in their, but not in the way that she was, where she was constantly no. pivoting and changing. And it wasn't a rehash of something she'd been doing for the last 20 years.
1: No. In the, the last 10 years of George Burns life, you know, it was very, a very slow. You know, he got very frail mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Betty, I think got maybe frail, maybe the last year of her life um, and, you know, COVID Caused she didn't get vaccinated from what what i understand and she had to stay inside um you know with care under the care of caregivers but uh, no one ever has the kind of career that she did in their 80s and 90s um you know there was a time where she was hosting or she was excuse me a regular on two shows she was on Uh, regular on on hot in Cleveland this comedy on TV land yeah yeah I remember it and um Betty White's off their rockers which was like a hidden camera show Uh with 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 old with old people punking young people and um she did them both at once you know she would do like hot in Cleveland Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then off their rockers Friday Saturday Sunday whatever you know she she just lived to work and from all indications she would show up on the set and this is when she's 90, 91, 92, 93 years old, she would show up on the set knowing all her lines, ready to go an hour before everyone else and just had this work ethic that was second to none. And I mean, I, I, I've thought long and hard about this, Chris. Who else has had their 90s be a high point of their career? And there is no one. She's it. It's no, no. There, There's nobody that
0: has had anything even remotely no, and, and,
1: Usually when you when they have you uh, if there's somebody in their 90s, they'll make a cameo appearance and it'll be a big deal and will it'll be ceremonial. But with Betty, it was it was just, you know, just her coming in and doing a show. And like <laughs> everyone else, just being a professional like everyone else. There was there was no gimmick to.
0: it. The closest I can see to that. And it's not a personality like that, that's just doing work that late into their career it's still relevant and at the peak is probably like a Martin Scorsese and he's 20 years, her junior, you know, he's 80 now, I think something like that. And he's still doing some of the best work of his career right now. And
1: one could also maybe, or could have until maybe very recently said Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Cause but Clint's, uh, Clint's gotta be 90 now, I think. Right.
0: Yeah. He's gotta be close to that, but I mean, he still has, um, just because the stuff doesn't necessarily resonate with me as much but he had cry macho came out this year um seems like people really responded to it it's not i his stuff hasn't really been great for me the last couple of years but he's still doing like
1: he's still working so he's still in there pushing yeah um and you know betty uh hosted hosted
0: Today's episode of the Following Films Podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So today I'm joined by my son, Jacob. Say hello, Jacob. Hello! Okay, and Jacob wanted to talk a little bit about Bookman's. Um, he wanted to tell you what his favorite things are to find there. Jakey, what's your favorite thing to look for at Bookman's? Um, a plane! Uh, a what? A plane? Oh uh, yes, a plane! What kind of plane do you like to look for there? Like a toy or a yes, book about yes. planes? Okay.
2: Yes.
0: You saw last time we were there, did you see a toy plane?
2: Yes, a long time ago, or maybe no I don't know. So let's worry about that, okay? Okay.
0: Capitalist. Can you think of something that you've gotten, that we got at Bookman's, rather, that you really liked? Is there something that we picked up there that you really enjoyed?
2: Um, I enjoyed all of the things.
0: Yeah, what about your Titanic book, or maybe... Yes, yes,
2: I joined those.
0: Uh-huh, and what about the Batman comic books? Do you yes. like those?
2: Yes, but I want to read the first new one we got yesterday.
0: Did you know that Bookman's has a kids' club that gives a discount to kids who go into Bookman's?
2: Oh, yes, I want to be in one for you're, ages.
0: Well, you're already in the kids' club, so, yeah. Remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Say so thanks, Jacob.
2: Thanks. Wow, that was fun.
1: Saturday night live at 88. That's right, yeah. I mean, from from what from what I gather, that it took a lot out of her. It was very tough. Mm-hmm. But um, even though she'd had all of these years before of doing live TV, but that you know was when she was in her 20s and 30s. Um, you know, 88's a whole other ballgame. But uh, but she just had a you know a zest for life and a zest for work, um that that you don't usually see very often, you know. That's what people were responding to. They were responding to just her sheer goodness and, you know, that there was no two Bettys. She was very, I talked to so many, for my book, I spoke to so many people who had worked directly with her for a long time. And they're very protective of her and her image because they're like, you know what? I'm not going to even come close to talking to you if you're going to like screw it all with with her or say anything remotely negative. Mm -hmm. People look at her like she's, you know, like their mother or relative and, and um uh, i can i a surprise
0: in in your experience with, with writing and doing anything like this before is this something that was an unusual um protection that you see around it some people might you know you start digging around people might be chomping at the bit at a chance to talk a little trash about
1: somebody but that's
0: just
1: very just, unusual okay. it's very unusual that they're that you know every as human beings, Chris, I think you've probably seen, we like to, we like to gossip and we <laughs> like to sh- say, well, here's, here's the real story. man." Sure. You know, and usually it's some kind of negative un- under, under the radar thing. Um, with Betty, they'll take you aside and go, okay, well, yeah, here's the thing with her. Don't <laughs> fuck with her, man. <laughs> Don't you say anything negative about her. I'm going to fucking kill you. You know, um, I'm, I'm allowed to swear on your, on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 by all means, please.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Okay,
1: good. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I had literally, when I did nothing negative, I had people threatening me that, it, you know, if you say anything remotely negative about her, I am going to hunt you down and kill you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, believe me. I <laughs> I, will go, I will go to hell a thousand times if I say anything negative about Betty White. And I'll deserve it. <laughs>
0: Was there anything about her other than that? Um, intense loyalty that surprised you about her that maybe you weren't aware of before?
1: Just her, you know, I think her versatility, my God, the fact that, you know, everyone else knows about the Golden Girls, of course, and sure. Rose Island, and knows about what she did in, in revitalizing Mary Tyler Moore's show and with that character and Sue Ann Nivens and, you know, her, her, her comedies. But I just, I I looked at, you know, I just looked things up on her IMDB page and then, and, and, and on, uh, and just everywhere uh, where I researched her and it was like, Oh my God, that's right. She did made for TV movies. Oh, and here she is uh, doing a a rom-com as, as the uh, you know, as the romantic interest and Oh, and here she is. And she decided just in her eighties that she would do a, a, do a soap opera, uh, the Bold and the beautiful, where she had right. to memorize forty pages of dialogue and go in as the new kid. And variety shows, where she hosted the Rose Parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which are much more difficult jobs than they look like. You know, where you have to really know, you have to be smooth, and you have to you have to be, uh, you know, always up and always always on your game, and 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 there, there are no um, there are no breaks. Um, she made everything look effortless and easy. She did drama cameos. I mean, the things that David Kelly made that poor woman say on Boston Regal and, and the practice. Oh, my God. She would, she would just, you know, just put her in these horrible foul-mouthed characters. And the thing is, everyone, it's all about protecting your brand and burnishing your brand. And she didn't give a shit about her brand. She was like, "I'm just Betty White. I I I don't know about brand. I don't know about you know." She would. She knew exactly how how far she how far to go, creeping up to the light and without without crossing the line. And when, but when I my God, she actually she actually was one of the roasters on the comedy yeah. central roast of William Shatner. I don't know if you you saw it. No, me. I saw
0: it. She did great. She was. Hilarious. Oh my God!
1: And and you know, I I knew one of the writers. Um, on the show he was like everyone was just so intimidated oh my god it's betty white and oh was she you know poor betty and we're gonna have to walk on egg shows and she was just swearing like a (laughs) sailor like everyone you know and just having a great old time and being a saucy dame and totally put everybody at ease and you know she she uh had some jokes on that show uh in, in including you know um one about george takei you know everything when there's someone gay involved, of course, every joke has to be about their gayness, you know. But so the joke about George Takei was, you know, um, well, you know, everyone knows that that George has balls, but only only Shatner has kissed them. <laughs> it's like, wow, and it, things that you wouldn't expect Betty White to uh, to agree to say, um, you know. She knew that uh she didn't care about her brand she just cared about having fun. And as a result of that her brand was everything.
0: Yeah, it's um I think that the when you think of it as a brand her brand was just joy. That's it. And the there was no there's no cynicism, there was no irony, it was just pure joy.
1: And you know when you think about the great female comics who have graced, you know, television, film, and, and all, you know, Joan Rivers, Phyllis Diller, B. Arthur, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, you know, more recently, like Gilda Reddler, Tina Fey, Tracy Mm -hmm. Ullman, Mary Tyler Moore. She's, she's very much, Betty is very much in that class with Mm -hmm. all of them. And um, I'm not sure that that would have been the case, even 20, maybe until Golden Girls, the Golden Girls really cemented her place as a, as a historic comic figure uh, in in entertainment, war, you know, and and that's that will probably cement. be the show that 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 lives the longest with her.
0: But to cement that in that that's a show that's thirty five ish years old, and she did that. It was a comedy about people at a retirement home. Yes, thirty five years ago.
1: What are living living together in, in the yeah, same house? Yeah, exactly. It's true, and but you know, um, I know it's a huge hit, now, even now in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it has it has real universal, timeless appeal, um, and the irony about that, Chris, is that television thought that this was foolish. You know, the the, the suits thought this is foolish. There's no way we can do this show because every show had to appeal to the 18 to 34 age demographic or 18 to 49 at the outside. That's what the advertisers coveted. And anybody over that was, you know, because the idea is that older people um, don't change their buying habits. So you don't want, you don't care about them as, you know, for advertising. Mm -hmm. And um, they just thought, it started out as a joke, the Golden Girls. It it started out as, you know, we're going to, do you remember Miami Vice I you're, do I mean, you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. you were probably like a really little kid when that um came.
0: i i mean i i remember i was old enough to remember when don johnson put out an album and i remember knowing that right. it wasn't very good so i was that i
1: was that old so right it was yeah you, know, you know um mid 80s mm-hmm. and um they um it was at a uh It was like a network up front, you know, where they have all the all the executives uh, uh, event where instead of Miami Vice, they did a takeoff called Miami Nice, where you had old ladies living together in Miami and, you know, going to the store and, you know, and doddering around. So and then like six months later, the head of entertainment for NBC was like, it got such a huge reaction in the room, like everyone was laughing hysterically and he's like. Do you think we could really try that show? Because again, a total joke.
0: Yeah.
1: And and um, and the, the, they when they they did a test of a pilot, and and it was when the popularity went through the roof. They'd yeah. never seen popularity like that. So they um, but when they had Betty in, you know, her Sue Ann Niven's character from the Mary Tyler Moore show was this man ch- man hungry, sexually voracious. Right woman so they wanted her to play blanche they that came would make in sense to, yeah she came in to read sense. for blanche but um rue mclanahan came in and was great as blanche and then they're like what well, we don't we, what we need is a rose and, and it was like okay well betty can you do rose she's like no i can't i can't do dumb and naive uh, I, I i only know man chasing and uh double entendres and they're like well just give it a shot. And she nailed, she of course read for it and nailed it. But originally she had come in for a whole different role. And um, with that, if she, if she wasn't Rose, arguably the show would have never gone. And
0: she was so good. And that's like a career defining
1: performance. That, <coughs> she that was. I, because when you think about it, a lot of it is because she wasn't fed the one-liners and the wisecracks the same hmm. way. She really had to act to get her laughs on that show is all about her innocence and about the way she played the character more than the writing itself.
0: That's a good point. That's actually a very good point that it is a performance-based character. Instead,
1: yeah. Not as, I
0: mean, it was a very well-written show. It may all have good lines, but yeah, hers, she was often playing
1: a reaction to the room. Right. And she would be the, yeah, absolutely. It's very And people underestimate, you know, they underestimate her talent because she's so seamless about it. And so unassuming. Um, not not just on Golden Girls, but in, in all of her comedy life, you know, she was always very just low key about it. Except when she went on talk shows. When she went on talk shows, she was really body and 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 had a, had a great. There were so many. I mean, they were all the same person, but there were so many different Bettys. Oh, yeah. Um, she knew exactly how to how to play the moment, how to milk how to milk a laugh, how to milk an audience. Um, she did it like she played it like a magician. Well, the really great
0: ones make it look effortless, and you know there's there's a reason that we're not talking about, and not every person will be remembered that way because what she was doing was actually really special, and to make it look like it was that easy, that's something exactly. that doesn't
1: come along. And and you know, by contrast, uh, Chris, when you look at, and I'm a huge fan of hers, but B, B Arthur, sure. you know, on Golden Girls, um, B, you could always see you could sort of see the, you know, the, you know, c- kind of with her eyes, you could always see what was coming now and the way she, you know, she played everything kind of physically and with her face and all and Betty, it wasn't quite the same thing, but B, B, it was, it wasn't, it was, it was different. It, it didn't seem quite as effortless. It seemed a little more mannered, like almost like a stage performance. Sure. And. Um, it's probably no surprise that that Betty and B did not get along in real life. Hmm. Um, that was the, the one issue with the golden girls is they had to kind of keep them separated. Um, you know, Betty thought, uh, you know, well, B thought Betty was, you know, a TV actor and she was, you know, Broadway trained and she couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't carry her purse. God damn it. She, you know, as an actress and Betty was just like, Oh, come on, let's just all get along. <laughs> and um you know, fortunately, B was enough of a professional to just swallow whatever resentment she had for the sake of the show and the sake of the cast and every. You know, it, you couldn't really tell that they didn't get along in real life. This is the first I've heard of it. So, uh, right, yeah, and
0: I, I definitely watched the show. I enjoyed it when I was a kid, and I. Revisited it a few times here and there, and it's one of those. That,
1: see, then that's the thing: is NBC automatically assumed? Well, only old people are going to want to watch this show, and they could not. they could <laughs> not have been more wrong. Yeah, it it goes across every demographic.
0: Absolutely, if you can have, um, there's very few things that an eleven-year-old and an eighty-year-old can sit down and both laugh at the same joke. Um, there were uh, exactly. there, uh, obviously some of the double entendres, things like that would go above my head, but there was, I understood enough of it that it was, it was a little bit dirty. Oddly enough, that was like a risque show in my 11 year old mind. There's, it
1: was, well, it, it actually, it's still kind of risque. Um, not too risque. It's not so risque that the, that the Hallmark channel doesn't here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah. And that was Betty too, though. A little bit, just a little bit risque, just yep. enough to be interesting. You know, where she was, she would, she would be, you know, she would be apple pie, but apple pie with some bite. Absolutely. Apple pie a la mode at the very least. <laughs> well, to, take, to take the metaphor way too far.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. And for anybody that wants to look more into Betty White and to, you know, Look over this life, a life that was definitely well lived. Um, what would be the best place to send them to find your book, Ray? Uh
1: well, it kind of sold out on uh, oh, on Amazon. Well, th- congratulations. <laughs> it, 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 they're they're out of stock at the moment. Yes, that's the good news and the bad news. The good news is it it sold very well, um, especially on the day of her passing. And sure. um, but um there's many other places, including Barnesandnoble.com. There's a place called Books a Million. Mm-hmm. Um uh, dot com uh they can find it there and i think it will be back in stock hopefully by uh i don't know when this is going to i'll I'll be- have this up later today i'm gonna oh you will oh, out okay. right away so yeah i think i think books a million and some others it, it may take a little while to get it at the moment but um uh but it's worth it god damn it <laughs> you, worth you, waiting for
0: there you um, go it'll be, it'll be a nice little present you put your name put your name in the queue and it'll show up in a couple of weeks and yeah. there you go
1: and yeah, hopefully it will be, um, they will have it by Betty's 17th, or excuse me, 17th, <laughs> Betty's 100th birthday on January 17th. There you go. Um, you know, uh, which I still feel like is going to be a big event, uh, even though even though she's not going to be uh, around to enjoy it. Um, it's still something of a national holiday. And in fact, everyone's going to have the day off because it's also Martin Luther King Day. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yes, uh, Betty White, hundred remarkable moments in an extraordinary life. Um, I was incredibly, I've been incredibly honored to, um, be able to bring her story to the world. Um, and you know, uh, she's, she's timeless and is going to live forever. And, oh, yeah. um, I'm, uh, I already miss her, but, um, but I'm so, uh, I'm so glad to have any kind of piece of her legacy, uh, you know, uh, just as a, as a journalist and as a lover of entertainment, it's, um, it's an honor. Yeah. There's certainly uh worse people to be tied to. Oh my <laughs> God. And I've been tied to many of them.
0: <laughs> Believe me. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. It's, it's rare that somebody that makes really good
1: art is a really good person and did she just for so many? It's reasons. so true. Yeah, but, but um, thank thank you for having me on, uh, Chris. I really appreciate. It. Um, yeah,
0: of course, uh, of course. I, I'm just happy to talk about Betty White for a little while. I just wanted to uh, spend a little time uh, reminiscing and thinking about her, and, and I will definitely be ordering the book.
1: So I want to thank uh, you. Out, so yeah, uh, you're uh, you're very good at this. You have a very easy way about it. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I trust you have a, another job besides this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This I, is just this is just your side your side gig.
0: This is something that I I do it enough that I don't pay anything to do it. Um, it's that's you know, good. So it's not I'm not losing any money doing it. Um, and it's at a point now where I get to do fun things where people give me opportunities like speaking to you or I get to cover film festivals that I would normally have had to pay to go to and things like that. So it's, it, it's just a fun, it's a really fun hobby at this point in time.
1: And I've been doing it Good for you. seven years. so
0: Weirdly enough. Good
1: for you. That's great. Yeah. You know, I'm a big advocate of fun. Let's enjoy ourselves while we can. Absolutely. 100%.
0: So yeah. thank you very much for the kind words. And thank you for doing this day, man. I really
1: appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Yeah. If you think of it, if you could send me the link, and I'll, I'll post it on my social oh, media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll do. And, uh, what's
1: your, Twitter handle. I'll connect with you there. That's where I I don't actually do. I I need to get more involved in Twitter. I'm actually, I know this, this paints me as an old man, but I'm really much more in the, in the Facebook realm. I I need, I need to get much more varied and out there in in social media.
0: It's just Twitter. Um, I have the Facebook account. I never go on it um, Uh because I don't know anybody on Twitter um but I, that's where most of I've the got people like, I connected with
1: are. I got like 3500 people so it, it's know? just
0: I never after I'm on Twitter I never feel the need to it's never like an uncomfortable thanksgiving dinner I don't hate my family facebook that could definitely happen after spending an hour on there so oh yeah, my god there's there's a layer of I, removal for that social I media. totally hear you
1: oh my <laughs> god <laughs> but but I um I I I do have an account. I just, I, I don't use it. It's the account. The handle is me, good writer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At the very least, that's a great handle. So you should be using that. Thank you. Good... You're right. Damn it. I'm going to, I'm going to get
1: out. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Now it's out there, man.
0: Following films, will be connecting with you, sending a request later in just a few minutes. So
1: Okay, good. <laughs> You're inspiring me, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Have a good night. Take
0: care. Really good Uh, talking to you. You too. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, bye.